0: Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines.
1: Welcome back to the SAS Field Podcast, where our innovative growth insights are like sci-fi predictions. Yesterday's fantasy, today's reality. I'm your host, Jeff Mainz, and B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you love. I am still on the road this week hanging out with some of the best, smartest founders and entrepreneurs I know. I do this a few times a year and it is always inspiring and uh, and really problem-solving. You get a bunch of smart people together working on your problem, you know your biggest challenge, and magic happens. So that's pretty exciting. My setup is a little bit crazy. I've got uh, the laptop sitting on a suitcase on a luggage stand, lights, and Noise in the, the room, waves crashing, just unbelievable. But a uh, beautiful, beautiful place to be. And I'm so happy to be back with you this week. Well, in 2024, if we think about the buying landscape, uh, I think it's changed significantly. Uh, it's not just you know, evolving. I mean, it's transforming at warp speed. And obviously the pandemic had a big effect on the sales process and just kind of the whole buyer journey. But the availability of information has as well. I mean, AI is accelerating all of that as well. Yeah, engaging buyers in this environment demands not just innovation, but a strategic, I would say, confluence of data, personalization, like real personalization, not fake stuff, and multi-channel presence. Now, think about a company that uh, I just love, Notion, Notion AI. I mean, they have redefined engagement by integrating their tool set seamlessly into clients' daily operations. And so their software has become indispensable. You know, if you're a user, you know that. You know They aren't just like an add-on or another me-too solutions. I mean, they are core. And what's funny is that if you're a Notion user, you probably don't even know where the icon is to launch the app. <laughs> You don't even need it because it's always freaking open, right? They have leveraged deep insights into customer behavior to create a platform that feels almost like a custom-tailored suit Uh, and its utility. I mean, it's like, hey, how would you know my size and favorite color? Because it fits so well, so many different solutions, and it's just absolutely indispensable. So how can we mirror the success? I mean, Notion didn't do it by accident. Are there clues that we can follow? And I think there are. Uh, I'll give you uh, the detailed. There's a three-step framework, uh, from what I've observed. Uh, first is data-driven personalization. And this really starts with a very granular analysis of your buyer's behavior. What do they do? Where do they go? How do they interact? How do they use solutions like what you have? You can figure a lot out. Use AI and use machine learning. You can sift through. And what we're looking for is patterns in their engagement, in their purchase history, in their digital footprints. You know what? What do they do? What are they interested in? And it's not just about knowing their industry. I mean, that's kind of surface level stuff. It's about really understanding their company culture, their individual pain points. You know, what is it that you know really? I don't want to say keeps them up at night. Nobody is so lame. But what is it that, that really bothers them? You know, what is it that is a pain enough that they want to solve? It's so really understanding that deeply. And then what is their business cycle? Is it something, you know, they have to have a budget period? Is it something they make decisions every quarter, every week? They can they bring something in now? And tailor your communication to reflect these insights. The answer is not going to be the same for everybody. There is no one size fits all. Every interaction should feel uniquely tailored to them, kind of like that suit. It's like, well, hey, this is pretty cool. You know them that well. You can size them up and go, hey, I know what your favorite color is, and here it is. This is tailor-made for you. Second is value-first communication. Shift your focus from selling to solving. And every time I say something like that, I always get some comments about, oh, you know, selling, you have to sell, hard sell. But the thing is, we're talking about personalization. You want to build authentic personal relationships. And if we're going to do that, we have to be authentic. And what we want to do is we want to help people out. So it's really about solving problems, not just selling stuff. So every piece of content, every email, every phone call should provide intrinsic value. And so I've said this before, don't make the, the phone call from a sales follow-up. Hey, just following up, just checking in. Uh, you, know, you signed the contract yet? Add value. It's a missed opportunity. Add value every single interaction. And this could be through industry insights, actionable advice. It could be solutions that address their challenges uh, before they even ask. You kind of know what their challenges are, right? Because the step one was really getting to know them. And so establish yourself as a resource, not just a vendor. The last place I want to be is stuck in the vendor category. It's like being, you know, in the friend category. Yeah. You know, with the woman of your dreams, you know, it's not where you want to be. And the same thing. You don't want to be in that vendor category. The approach builds trust and it positions you and your brand as an industry authority and it makes your product or service the natural choice when they're ready to buy. Because the things that you're giving them, that intrinsic value is leading them to you. It's showing your expertise. You're investing in that relationship before it even exists. So don't be afraid to give first. And in today's episode, we'll actually go deeper in this with some additional ways to add value that you probably haven't thought about. Uh, Most SaaS founders haven't. So I'm really excited about our guest today. Number three, omni-channel engagement. Now, B2B buyers are digitally savvy, and they're active across multiple platforms. They're not just hanging out in one place. And your strategy needs to be equally agile. Identify the channels most relevant to your buyers and establish a consistent, value-driven presence. But it's not about blanket coverage. It's about targeted, strategic presence. Content engagement should be, again, tailored to each channel specific format and audience preferences. So that it's uh, relevant and it resonates with your audience. Remember, it isn't about showing up everywhere. That is exhausting. Focus on showing up where your ideal clients are and then show up as the same you everywhere that you are or anywhere that you are and that's really important that when they go to one platform they see the same you as when they go to another platform or they go to your website it's the same you everywhere super super important again just like that tailored suit you want to use a more refined approach and you can transform your view to be engagement strategy into something that's dynamic it's a fact it resonates with the modern buyer's needs and expectations. If you're looking for unique and innovative ways to stand out, then check out my book, Small Fish, Big Pond, building a world-class business that swims circles around your competitors. Small Fish, Big Pond delivers powerful marketing and leadership lessons guaranteed to enhance your marketing message, wrap value around your clients, and guide their buying journey to conclude that your company is the only solution for them. It includes step-by-step frameworks and time-tested growth principles to attract ideal clients, convert them, and then transform them into your brand ambassadors. Pick up the print, ebook, or audio today at smallfishbigpond.com, Amazon, or at your favorite book source. And remember, all book profits go to charity all the time. Our founder on Tuesday was author, speaker, and leadership expert Cameron Harrell, dubbed the CEO Whisperer. He is the brains behind the COO Alliance. We talked about the unique role of the COO, the importance of a solid second-in-command, and how to run non-boring meetings that get results. Our expert guest last week was a COO, like Cameron talked about, it's Arnab Misra. second-in-command COO at Exactly. And he has a great handle on revenue growth strategy and how their clients succeed using their sales solutions to drive revenue. And that kind of alignment between operations and sales, it is clear why Exactly and their clients are crushing their revenue goals. So if you missed either one of those episodes, go back and give them a listen. My guest today is James Allen. He runs Profit Your Knowledge and hosts a podcast by the same name, Profit Your Knowledge. And in both, he shows leaders how to engage their prospects by creating knowledge products like books, courses, evaluations, and more. And they do that around their domain expertise. Does anybody really need to download another PDF, lead magnet, or top 10 list? This is a unique in a very innovative way. And I've seen firsthand how quickly this warms and endears future clients to brands. So, welcome someone who will help each of us profit from our knowledge, James
0: Allen. Hey, James, welcome to SAS Fuel. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, pumped to hang out here and talk about business and <laughs> products and all that stuff.
1: So, the, the knowledge business, tell me about that. What does that, what does that even mean
0: for the audience? Right. Yeah. So it's this really cool is in, like industry, I guess, where it's a lot of creatives and authors and speakers and people, but we're just selling the things that we know online and uh, sharing it with people in exchange for money. But we're also sharing it for free too, which is kind of an interesting yeah. topic in and of itself. Because it's like, yeah, that, that bears a question right off the bat of like, Difference from free and paid kind of content. But that's essentially what it is. It's like if you have, you know, for your audience in SaaS, if you've built a successful SaaS company like Jeff and uh, or multiple, and then you have this knowledge of something that's you've you've overcome so many challenges along the way and learned a lot of things and seen commonalities of what works and what doesn't, especially if you've done something multiple times. And then um, you're really valuable to people because there's a lot of people assuming that there are a lot of people in your niche. Like with SaaS, obviously, there's tons of people and your sure. products and sort of stuff. Coaching, you know, for me, there's there's so many people who are like, I wish that I could do that, and that's their dream. And then you have all this knowledge, so you can help them, and then you can turn it into a business. You can always help them for free for sure, um, but then it kind of goes into like psychology of people when they pay, they pay attention. Kind of thing, because I've I've worked with people for free and just been like, hey, I want to help you, and they they'll show up to a couple calls and then they just kind of disappear. But the people sure. that pay me, especially paying full, they show up to each call, you know, and they're they're more attentive, and then they end up getting better results. So it's yeah, it's a really interesting kind of business, but that's essentially what it is. It's like you have a lot of lessons learned, and now you can help people learn those lessons without the scars, basically. I like that.
1: So, in the context of SaaS, a lot of them do blogs, they do posts, they do social content, and so it would be taking that and putting it together into some sort of a, a course or something that people actually pay for, instead of just putting out a whole bunch of content that's all free. Is that would that be correct?
0: Yeah. So we'll just—I mean—we can just dive into like the difference between free and paid content because it's it's interesting because in order, like, when you build a, a product. And you want to sell it passively? You have to create content that's free in order to get exposure and drive traffic to sure. the paid thing. But it's all information, so it's like, wait, what's what's the difference? <laughs> and uh, the truth is, there's there's not really a difference actually, which is the interesting part. When you think about content, when like I, I release a new YouTube video every single week, and I'm thinking obviously about searchability and there's different factors that go into about getting discovered. And that's kind of like the purpose of that content. Um, But it's, it's kind of like buckshot. I kind of think about it or like a flashlight, how it's, it's a light, you know, but it's very broad and it's, uh, it's very open. It's in a laser is a lot more focused and a laser can be so focused that it can cut through steel, you know? Right. So that, that's kind of how I like to think about your course versus Free content because free content, the purpose is to get discovered. The course and the content side of it can be your free content, but it's the way that it's structured in a system or a sequence to where it gets someone a specific result. You know, it has a purpose to it. And when I think about a course, like people don't buy products, you know, they don't wake up in the morning and say, I just want to buy an online course unless they have one specifically in mind. But the reason that they would buy it is because. excuse me, they want a transformation. They want an outcome that that program is promising to give them. And they're like, I'm willing to take you know, an investment in myself or make an investment in myself to get that outcome. But that's what they are paying for is the outcome. And that's what we have to be able to communicate. So when you build a program, the course creation is one aspect of it and building the actual program. But people can spend so much time in it, myself included, uh, where I've done that. And I still have to catch myself. I build a new program. um, And we can talk more about product creation. But then the other half of it is the marketing and the sales aspect, which is in itself is like building another program, kind of. because that can take as long, if not longer, than building out your actual program because you want it to sell, and there's persuasion and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the real difference is like, like I'll talk about the same stuff that's inside of my course into a YouTube video. And, sure. You know, if you if, if there's two SaaS companies in this example, keep it you know streamlined for your audience. <clears throat> if I'm you know interested in different tech or whatever, and I see the two SaaS companies, let's say they sell a relatively similar product, but Jeff, your business just makes way better content and it's more valuable and it makes more sense to me than the other people. They're kind of like wishy-washy and trying to like teach the what, sell the how with their free content. And I'm going to go to Jeff because I'm like, I trust Jeff more because he gives me more value up front. And then if I go through your processes and like your sales funnel and all that kind of stuff, and you're just constantly adding more and more value to me and teaching me things and getting me to think about this differently um then i'm gonna I'm gonna purchase your product more likely than the other people.
1: makes a lot of sense. Well, how did you get started in this? what was your journey to to get to where you are today and helping other people create knowledge based businesses?
0: Yeah. So I used to pretty much I, in high school, I finished high school and I had two choices. It was either my mom was very much like go to college, you know, go, at least get your AA and then you can always go back and choose a bachelor whatever you want. Very smart. And then my dad was like, go into the, the union, into construction work because you can get college credits and you can start making money right away. And I was doing like plumbing and pipe fitting, heating and air conditioning, um, high pressure water systems, that sort of stuff. And I worked in San Francisco. Uh, I live in Petaluma. It's like an hour north of San Francisco, so it's like an hour-ish drive. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was doing that, and it was just like I dreaded going to work every day. But I was doing it because like I didn't really, I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to go to school longer, you know. But even though I was going through school for like the union, um, driving to the city, like my typical work week was: wake up at three thirty a.m., commute an hour down to San Francisco, do hard physical labor for seven plus hours. And then drive back through traffic and get home at about 4 p.m. and then try and fit in the other stuff that I wanted to do. And it was just kind of like I had all these passions and hobbies and things that I wanted to do outside of work. And then with the work stuff, like all these other things gave me life yeah, inside, like energetically, you know, and then work was kind of just dull. It was like, I guess I'm just going to do this because like it pays the bills. And I just got to a point where I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I just got fed up with that. Uh, With working and just seeing so many people live kind of that dull life. And um, I ended up finding out about coaching and realizing that, oh, you can make money by like helping people. And that was cool. And I was 22 at the time. But I had a really rough childhood. I got into personal development at a young age. So I was that 22-year-old life coach that people <laughs> joke yeah. about. Uh, but I was working with people because I was very competent. And I always seemed way older than I actually was because I've lived a lot of life. And I've been through very stressful situations with family and all this crazy stuff growing up. And... um I started helping people, but I, I didn't want to be so general with like like life coaching. I think we talked about this on my podcast, when you were yes, when yes. You were there about like what's a life coach? We were like, I don't really know, <laughs> so <laughs> I made this, and it's hard to market yourself with that, yeah. you know. But yeah. you, even if you are like a life coach, you have to find a way to specialize in something just to communicate the message at least. But then when they're working with you, you can kind of do that general life coaching. So anyway. I uh, made a niche change. I got into performance and productivity and I was working with more clients, a lot of coaches, um, entrepreneurs, sales professionals as well. And um, I I still... Everything was just very service-based and I knew that passive income was a thing and that you could automate your business and sell digital products. So I built like 6 different digital products throughout life coaching and then getting into productivity. I kept trying it and like learning from Russell Brunson uh, Brendan Burchard and different people to try and make sure. this whole thing work. And like, I had a whiteboard and I was mapping out my funnels and all this stuff and nothing seemed to work. And I'm like, what the heck is, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Why can't I figure this out? Uh, and in life coach or in uh productivity coaching, I ended up finding two really key mentors that taught me a really simple system. And it was Graham Cochran and Ramit Sethi. And I love those guys. And, um, I still follow them to this day. You know they're they're amazing, and uh, the system because Graham is the first person I learned from, and that I like to study from my mentors' mentors and learn who, sure. who they learn from, and dive even deeper down like the tree, you know. And then uh, Graham learned from Ramit, who taught him the same system. So basically, it's you know what, what I'm talking about here. You create content, blogging, YouTube, get discovered online, get people on your email list with a lead magnet, and then you have a series of emails that teaches, and then ultimately says, "Here's my program." And then uh, it goes to a sales page, which ultimately sells them. And then just driving traffic to it and then automating the whole thing. And there's a lot of tools you can use to make it really simple. So that was the system. And I said, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to follow it to the T. And one of the biggest things they taught me was about like customer research and being obsessed with your audience and listening to them and finding the transformation, the pain points and everything and using their words that they're exactly saying on... Your sales page and in your emails and all this sort of stuff. And that was kind of like the big missing piece for me because I knew how to like create content, but it was the marketing aspect. And that was a huge part of it. It's like I never really took time to sit down with my audience or survey them and ask them, what do you really want? You know, and find a product that they actually wanted because I would just do what most creators do, which is create something in a vacuum. We just kind of build it and say, I think people would like this because like it's I'm interested in it. And it's like no right, one cares. Right. You know? <laughs> and this is where I, when I hear from my audience, people are like, I have hundreds of product ideas. Which one do I build? And it's like you build the one that your audience cares about and you talk right. to them. And you can you can pick like I have two different products right now. So what I did that I'm thinking about building and I know that they would be valuable based on conversations I've had. So I send an email to my list. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about building a product in the near future. Here's option one. Here's option two. Let me know which one you like. And then people replied, and I was just getting flooded with emails. People were like, option two was the clear winner. So that's the one I'm going to build, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, I started uh, learning, following the system. And then I made uh, my first passive income sale. I remember waking up and seeing I made $200 overnight. And I've done like 10K days. And that sort of stuff, but making two hundred dollars totally like automated was insane. It was just like the coolest thing in the world because I never had met the person ever in my life, and it was all just from free content, emails, and a sales page, pretty much, and a couple automations. It was really simple. And then a few weeks later, I made another one at two ninety seven, which was like the second tier to the same product, uh, and I was just like on cloud nine. It was amazing. So I started meeting with my passive income clients. And I always ask people like, "What's a win since the last time we spoke?" Make sure they're making progress. And uh, one of my clients, or a couple of them, were like, "Which one?" Or uh, they they said, uh, "Can you like kind of help me with that?" Like, "What what's a win that you've had?" Uh, so I told them about the system and everything, and that's where they asked me like, "Can you help me do that?" And I'm like, "I guess you know it's kind of related to productivity. Like, build a system, make money without doing extra work. You know, it's productive." Um. And then, yeah, I, I helped this one woman and we built a system. It took a couple months. When she got it launched in the first couple of weeks, she made like $1,500. And I was like, wow, I actually kind of have like a knack for this. You know, I was just kind of teaching what I had learned from my mentors and um, using my own experiences and whatnot. And uh, there was another guy I helped. He got into, or he was in sales, got in to start his own business. We helped him create like a coaching program that made sense. I think he was undercharged at about 5K. And uh, he got connected with this one company. And then he ended up making like 50k months, and now he's doing even more than that. So I was just like, "This is cool, you know, being able to help people actually like do this. And it was what I was always passionate about ultimately, because in construction, I just wanted to help people make money doing something that they enjoyed and be able to have time and money freedom as a result of that so they can invest in their health and relationships as well.
1: What I love about the the concept for SaaS companies is they're already building something for a niche, and so they're they're solving a problem. But one of the biggest challenges that I hear is lead generation, and so a lot of the things traditional methods are, are not working or not working as well as they used to. And so I like something like having a digital product or a course or you know something that that goes a little bit deeper than. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You have the free content, but then to have something that helps liquidate the ad spend. Uh, that can make money and move them deeper, you know, into their world, uh, along with the the SaaS. And I think there's a, a real opportunity um, for for doing a, a course like that. What would you say? You know, the SaaS company is, is looking at that and saying, "All right, I, I want to create something, but I don't know what to make. Where do they start?"
0: Yeah. So there's three questions that I like to ask, and um, you kind of just have to first find like where's your audience at. So if you have an email list. Or if you have some sort of database where you can reach out to your audience, better yet, get on a phone call with them. That'd be the best. Um, actually, I think... I'll tell you a story real quick that would really make this make the most sense. So there's actually a guy named Eric Reese who wrote yeah. the book, The Lean Startup. You know, yep. So he and his team created this idea that they wanted to uh, start this company called IMVU and get it out there. And they were like... It was pretty much mixed... Digital like conversations, kind of like Facebook, you know, Messenger, with um, creating a digital avatar. So you could create this digital avatar and then connect with people. And they got partnered up with like AOL and other big companies and stuff. And they were like putting in all this money from uh, their investors and everything. And they just knew to their core, this thing's going to be amazing. People are going to love it. It's going to be so cool. We got AOL involved. Like we're going to crush it. So they spent like six months building out IMVU. And they ended up launching it, and nobody downloaded it. After putting crazy hours, you know, all this time, effort, money into building it, nobody bought it, and they were just like dumbfounded. They're like, "What? How come nobody did?" So what they did was, Eric reached out to the people that that was their audience, and he got to interview them and ask them why didn't you guys pick it up, basically. And they said uh, they pretty much like told him exactly what they wanted, and he realized that all the assumptions that they had made about what their audience found valuable was totally wrong. So it was a blessing in disguise, kind of like he was frustrated but grateful at the same time because now he could talk to his audience. So he started yeah. to get to know like what what do you actually want? Then you know, and then they uh, they told him what they wanted, and he was just like, okay, like we're building the total wrong thing. So then what he started to do which is important, and this relates to SaaS, and I actually talk about this even when people don't really know about SaaS, I say it's really big in the software industry, um, is he started creating minimum viable products. So just early basic version of a product that is built up over time with customer feedback. So it's getting something like the bare bones of the transformation. That's how I like to think about it when it comes to product creation that people want, the transformation they want, and just get it out there to where it's like, it's good enough. But it it could obviously use a lot more. But don't assume that you know what the more is. Get get it good enough based on what people said. Get it out there. And like I said earlier, building the product versus the marketing side, the the emails and the copy and stuff can take just as long as building the product. So if you just build a product quick with screen shares, uh, like showing how your program works or something, or... um, you know, I, I mean, I did this with uh, with my Kajabi product. So I'm a, an affiliate for Kajabi. And the whole program is just screen shares. Uh, because when people sign up under my link for Kajabi, um, they get a free course by me called Kajabi Kickstart. And it walks them through how to set up their whole marketing funnel inside of Kajabi. So the whole thing is just screen shares, except for my intro video. I'm like, hey, welcome to the program. But it's super simple and it's five lessons and people like it because it's really short. It's really simple and um yeah it's really it, it's just it's easy so that's like kind of the big thing i'd recommend but the, qu- the kind of question that comes up is how do you structure a conversation like what do you actually say to find this transformation and there's three main questions i like to ask the first one is what's your biggest challenge or frustration uh related to blank whatever your Product idea is, you know, so I want to make a product about podcasting and how I've been able to use my podcast to create a lot of opportunities and grow my income and my business as well. And that was the yeah. option too when I said earlier if people were like, I want to know about that, so I'm going to make a program about that. But this is like what I would do. I would talk to my audience, get on the phone with them, ask people. When I do podcast interviews afterwards, I can ask people, "Hey, do you mind if I just ask you some questions?" You know, like just get in conversation with them and say, "What's your biggest challenge?" pain or frustration related to podcasting in this example. And then when I find that, that's like point A. Point B is going to be, what's your biggest hope, dream, or desire related to podcasting? You know, and I can ask people this and I'm writing all this stuff down. And then the middle part, or the third question, is what's your biggest barrier, obstacle, or uncertainty that's kind of getting in the way? It's like the brick wall, getting in the way of you getting from point A to point B. So where are they at? Where do they want to be? What's getting in the way? And that's really all the information you need to know. When you have more and more conversations, you run surveys and things, you start to notice trends from the data. And you can see, oh, a lot of people are struggling with this aspect or even if you're trying to figure out a product idea if it's not like podcasting specifically in my example like i know what the product is i want to build but even if you don't know and you're just trying to find a product you could say what's your biggest challenge related to your area of expertise so i could say like what's your biggest challenge related to starting or growing your online business it's very much it's a lot more broad and then people sure. could tell me like, oh, it's getting leads. It's growing my audience is the real biggest one. So if I'm looking at the data, from where they're at and where they want to be, everybody seems to be talking about, oh, I really want to grow my audience. Then I can say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to build a program about audience building. You know? And uh, I would use keywords from what they said to kind of come up with my title and that sort of stuff. And then after that, once you find that transformation, you just create a really simple outline. They'll just go build the program, make a simple outline, a Google Doc or something, and just write out, here's point A, here's point B. What are five to seven steps that this person can take to get from point A to point B? And the steps are gonna be your course lessons or your screen shares, or it could just be your video. You could pull up your phone camera, like make it minimal, minimal, you know, simple. (laughs) Uh, As long as it's semi-decent, but what's crazy is like with a phone, you know, you can hold out your phone, make a really high quality video. Yeah. And like a tripod, it's it's wild. And you can get like a lapel mic or use your headphones if you want better audio. Like you don't have to get super fancy. I think people get hung up on that. but yeah, your lessons become the mini-transformations that lead to the big transformation, which is what they want. And that's really what it's all about, is transformation. Because again, people want that outcome. So you're going to lay out the different steps to get them that big outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so many SaaS founders miss out on opportunities like that. I mean, Maybe even level one is you know, writing a book. And that, that may be too much to start with. But we've seen a number of, of SaaS companies do really, really well. Uh, you know, Trello, for example. You know, two different books uh, about project management. And so you look at that from the outside, and it's like, uh eh, software is not for me. I'm not a project manager. But you read one of those books, and you go, oh, now I get it. You know, the dots have been connected. But you could take that same thing and turn it into a course. Or, yeah. you know it's if you always, have a task co- yeah oh, I Yeah, I think the course is way easier because you're you're really focusing on like that. You know, A, B. What are the steps to get from A to B? just a a very simple journey and then ultimately the result is buy the software so you know you're you're buying software to do something well how can you do that maybe you teach them how to do it manually and uh you know you're because they understand the process then it's like doing you know long division i'm never really going to do that i don't want to do i want to use a calculator but i understand the process i'm like oh now i get it i need something to automate that and then they buy your software
0: yeah. Well, yeah, what's really cool too, is you can do like upsells and different things like that as well. Yeah. So let's say that you're marketing, um, <clears throat> you have a, like, let's use Trello as the example, but let's say you're talking about project management and that's what their program is about. It's like how to be a you know better at project management, we'll say. And then people are like, "I'm going to buy this program." It's like fifty bucks or hundred bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. And then there's an upsell page that can be, "Hey, thank you so much for buying the program. I think you're really going to enjoy it." Real quick, I just wanted to offer you a free trial to try out Trello or something like yeah. that, and it can get people onto a 14 day free trial. I think Trello is free, where you they have the paid version, yes, but like ClickFunnels a- would do, ClickFunnels will do this. Uh, yes. They'll run ads. They'll run ads to like a webinar where they're going to sell a program on the webinar. And then, uh, as kind of like their break even funnel, they uh, get people as soon as they opt in, they register for the webinar, goes over to a landing page where he says, Thanks so much for registering for the webinar. Uh, you can get a 14 day free trial of ClickFunnels right now. You know? So, by the time you get onto the webinar, you'll have everything ready. You can use the information from the webinar with your ClickFunnels account. You know, and then he would get a ton of people signing up for his ClickFunnels account. A lot of people unsubscribed, you know, but a lot of people stayed sure. too. And that's where they ended up right. making month over month a lot of income.
1: Well, I mean, ClickFunnels hasn't become what it is by people you know, but by this not working. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. it it works. And that, if there's a SaaS company that's done really, really well with this type of model, it's ClickFunnels. Yeah, and and that's that is exactly the model. It's it's courses. It's really kind of moving people through and educating them, and the software goes right along with that education. So the thing yeah. that they're wanting to do here's the tool to make your dreams come true with along with what
0: you're learning, which I think is a, just a brilliant combination. It is, and that's what I do. Um, I haven't ma- made a software though, but I use Kajabi. So sure. I, every co- my business is very. Streamlined. It's all information based, but I have my coaching, I have my programs and courses, and then I have uh, my Kajabi affiliates. So I make passive income from my Kajabi affiliates as well. It's like an extra side thing. Uh, right. I actually won the referral rockstar award to my surprise, which was really cool. So nice. they were like, "We're sending you an extra four hundred dollars." So I was like, "Whoa, that's super cool." I didn't even, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, but it's it's really cool just to be able to refer people. Um, over to Kajabi because when I'm working with people, when we're building out products and we get to the system and the tools aspect, they always ask me, okay, James, which tools do you like to use? And I say, I like to use one and it's Kajabi. It's the only one I use. Uh, I use some other like tools like Canva and stuff like that. But when it comes to like, the business and the system stuff, I just use Kajabi because I like to keep things yeah. very simple and I like the way that it works. So I tell them, you can sign up for Kajabi under my link and get a free 30-day trial. We'll build out everything. So all you have to do is just copy and paste it into Kajabi. And then um, when you're inside of Kajabi, you're going to get a free course as well. It's going to walk you through how to build out the marketing system. So in between our calls, you can focus on that. And it's just a great value add. And they're like, cool. And then they sign up. But if if they say they don't want to use Kajabi, it's okay. Like I have other tools and systems they can use. That's just my favorite. And I'm most experienced with it. So I always recommend it first. But then also, they start creating even more residual income through that um, that referral. you know, And then even inside of my course, we get to a point where we're talking about what tools to use. And I give them a bunch of tools to use and I say, Kajabi is my favorite one. In my marketing funnel, I talk about some different tools that people can use. Like more, I go in more depth in my, my course, but I always recommend Kajabi. And then people are learning about that. I built a whole entire YouTube playlist about Kajabi. So yeah, it, it's like the information I'm providing ties so well with that software. And I think that that is the best way for a SaaS company to use it. Yeah. So if a SaaS company
1: is doing that, using it for lead generation, how can they use a, a course or an info product to help um, build a funnel that is self-liquidating? By that, I mean, the leads are paying for themselves that are coming in and ultimately buying the software and converting. But uh, there's something you know at the beginning that they're paying for that pays for that lead.
0: Yeah. So... Well, so are you talking because you mentioned earlier people were like doing blogging and YouTube videos? Uh, are you talking sure. more about like ads as well? Right. So if they're like doing, people- like, say,
1: for example, they're doing ads and they want to help pay for the right. ad spend and creating a course yeah. or something on the front end uh, to, to help pay for those ads. And, and so you have essentially free leads because they're yeah. self liquidating. The ads are paying, you know, the, the leads right. that are coming in are paying for the ads. So the, the, it spins faster,
0: right? Totally, yeah. Well, that's where that's where having like a workshop of some kind is helpful, and that's just one example uh, where you can offer your program, which could be more of a premium. You just stack the bonuses, stack the value on it, and this is again the example with Russell Brunson. Like that's what he did for his self liquidating offer: is he offered a free trial that was complimentary yeah. to the information they were going to learn on the uh, on the webinar. And then the free trial ended up being self-liquidating later on. It wasn't right away. Um, but what you can do also is if you have, you know, a much bigger, I don't really know how it would work for SaaS company. I best example I guess I would use is with ClickFunnels because I haven't worked personally with a lot of SaaS companies. It's a lot more like personal coaches and stuff. Um, sure. But in the in that example, like Russell Brunson was selling a nine hundred ninety-seven dollar offer, which some people would hear that and be like, "Whoa, that's a little much," you know. Um, but he offered like coaching, and then he offered a bunch of programs and things like that, and he was just stacking the value. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but that's his webinar offer when people get there, and then from the ClickFunnels free trial, he would be getting extra residual income from that. But you can always have, you know, let's say that you had a big product. And then you had a mini product that complemented that big product. As soon as people opt in, or they, uh, yeah, if they opt in from your sales page or from your blog, it doesn't really matter. The time on the thank you page is like that. The thank you page itself is is amazing real estate uh, because not yes. everybody's going to attend your webinar when they opt in, and not everybody's going to read all your emails as much as we would love them to. We love them to read, <laughs> right, right? You know, like the Bible, just like in it. And uh, (laughs) yeah, not everybody's going to do that. It just is what it is. But the thank you page is what happens right after people opt in. What most people do is they just use the default thank you page that if I opt in for your lead magnet or your free thing, it goes to a page and says, Hey, check your inbox. Thanks for your download or click this button and you can download it. That's it. When in reality, you can say at a big headline, like check your download. And then underneath, you can have a video that can, depending on what you're offering, like, what a lot of people do is um, they'll, they'll say, uh, they'll do like a video demo of kind of their system or their process. And it's like a case study. Uh, Alex Ramosi did this. And he talks about in his book, 100 yeah. Million Leads, which I'd highly recommend. It's a great book. Um, but he talked about that because he was trying to create a webinar and he's like, that's just way too much. It's too much work. Uh, and then he ended up just making a video because he saw it from someone else where they just did like a really simple case study of just like, one take, 13 minutes. Like, Here's how the system works. Here's how I got 200 gyms to fill up their members or fill up their gym with members. And um, yeah, he was just explaining things, doing some screen shares, going behind the scenes on like his ads and things like that. And then he underneath had a button that said, you can book a call with me and then you can see how this can work for you. And then people were booking calls like hotcakes. So... That's a really, I think leveraging the thank you page, because there's so many ways to do it. It's easier when I have like someone specifically, like, this is kind of what I'm going for. Uh, All I can do right now is just kind of throw noodles and throw ideas on a podcast. But um, the thing, leveraging the thank you page is huge because that's what Russell did. That's what the thank you page was. It would get your 14 day free trial. Um, So, yeah, I think that that's like the best way that you can self liquidate a good uh, or like your ads and have a good self liquidating offer.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, thank you, page I think is probably the most valuable real estate because you know they're going to see sure. it. Everybody's going to see and, it. And, and they're in a mood to to do something. They've taken some action. And so now what you want to do is build on that action. And what is a yep. logical next step? And then from there, yeah. what is a logical next step? And it doesn't have to be a giant leap, but just a, a small, what is a small right next step that you can kind of lead them down the path to
0: you? Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting too is a lot of people think that, oh, when I write an email sequence, it has to be thirty days long and, you know, I, I can't do I have to wait and build the relationship and all that. And if you're doing organic marketing, which you should be, um yeah then you're going to be building that relationship through that. And people can watch your free videos or your read your blog posts for 6 months until they decide to pick up your free thing and opt into your email list. But every time someone opts in, they're more committed. So then they're going to be going through your email sequence and your whole funnel system. And then right when they land on the thank you page, it's interesting because it is so useful because one, everybody's going to see it. But also, like you said, people are just more interested in working with you early on, like the sooner on the journey, which is counterintuitive to what a lot of people would say, uh, the sooner we can start offering things is actually the better, you know, but it does have to make sense. And um, yeah, it just has to be value driven. And obviously, everything like congruency is so big. But as soon as people find you, and they make that commitment of like, I want to opt in they're much more interested than just a casual passerby reading your blog or watching a YouTube video. So make use right. of that thank you page and pay attention to people. Like when you look at other SaaS companies um, that are in, you know, your space and have a software and stuff, like do what Russell Brunson would call funnel hacking, where you yes. opt in and what happens after. The funnel does like what's their thank you page look like? And then you can replicate that in your own way with your own offer and stuff, but be like, okay, so they have a title that says check your email and then it has something intriguing, and then they have a video. And then underneath that they have a button, you know, like what does theirs look like? And then just replicate that, assuming that, you know, it is working and you can find those companies that are making it actually work.
1: Yeah, there's some companies that do really, really well with content and marketing and and funnels that are just absolutely spot on. HubSpot is one of those. ClickFunnels, oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. is one of those. Uh, Gong is is fantastic. There's there's so many companies out there that do this really well, uh, and they're they're big companies, but they're big companies for a reason. It's because they did this really, really well. And so I like that idea of, of looking and seeing, you know, what companies are doing that is working. And then figuring out how does that fit into my business. You don't have to do everything, but do something.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So if a SaaS founder is looking at this and, and thinking, you know, creating a course seems like it's really difficult, or writing a book, or all these things, uh, you know, maybe starting small, or how could they find somebody, you know, like you're doing with Kajabi, that is out there creating that for them? Where would they find somebody to to partner with, or what types of people should they be looking for?
0: Uh, to create their program for them or yes. like their whole marketing system. So I would well, to create a program I'm, or to create, um, you know, a course
1: around something that they're doing along with them. Maybe it could be an affiliate even.
0: Right. Um, well, yeah, I mean like, that's what I do. I don't, I mean, I think that you as the, you know, the main person, if you're the SaaS founder, kind of like Russell Brunson also talks about I'm just using him as an example here. He talks about like having a hero and it's important to have that hero. So, I think it's important for you as the person like Jeff, if I'm learning from you, I read your book and everything says Jeff means that you should be the person teaching your program. You 100%. should be like the dude, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm really big with like when I work with people, cause I help them build out the program. I help them build out the emails, the sales page, like all that stuff. And I kind of teach them. And I help them get set up with a good foundation. And I say, go give it a shot. Let me know what you come up with. And then we feed we get feedback and I give them feedback. Cause I'm just big on like teaching people how to fish instead of like doing it for them. Like I can write the emails and I can write the sales page and stuff yeah. for people, but I'd rather have them learn how to do it because it's just it's skills. And I love skill building and you learning how to do that. But like if you really want to just kind of get this thing built. I mean, yeah, hire hire a coach. Like obviously me, I can help you with that kind of stuff, but I'm not the only one. There's plenty of other people, other options out there. Um, and I think it's more important to learn how to have someone teach you how to do it and be a really good teacher for you and give you like a good system, uh, which is like stuff that I'm adamant about for my clients. And uh yeah, and just you know start small. And the thing about like the minimum viable products too is that you can create a fifty dollar product like I'd say you go don't go no lower than fifty um, and then as you get people in the door you can ask them like what can make this project management course better if it's Trello like we were talking about and then you can beef it up over time based on what they said you can add more modules add more lessons add more resources like oh, I'd really love to see more of this cool add a whole different section that's just about Whatever they said they wanted. And then you can turn that $47 product into like a $497 product if you want, you know? And then that all that stuff helps with just your ad spend and different things. But um, yeah, I would say focus on building the skills, like copywriting and that sort of stuff. I know, I know that a SaaS founder can hear this and be like, I'm so freaking busy just trying to build this (laughs) software. Like, you're kidding me. You can't, like, you can get done for you businesses to help you with this and like, Build it for you, but I think that it is just much better to learn how to do that stuff yourself, and at least have a general knowledge of like copywriting and different stuff. Um, That's just my my kind of two cents with it, though.
1: I think you're exactly right that uh, you know there's some things that outsource well and there are others that don't. And and if you can do this yourself, it's it's not that hard, especially when you have a, a roadmap to follow. I think that's really important is is making it really easy. Uh, but then, you know, doing it because it it increases the value of the brand. It increases visibility. It it you know builds that know like and trust with you know the the founder and uh, the company and and that brand instead of building it with some other brand. So I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, doing it yourself is is a thousand times better than than trying to outsource something like that.
0: Right. And it's better just to have guidance of some kind. If you're totally green to this, where like when I work with people, yeah. it's like, I'm like the bumpers that come up when they're trying to learn how to bowl. Uh, otherwise, if the bumpers aren't there, they're just going gutter, gutter, gutter. And they're like, what the heck? Why isn't this working? Right. And i will come through. Yeah, this and isn't like, Here's any things fun. That Here's things that, yeah, it's fun. Here's things that help me. And then they're bowling and they you can go slow or whatever. But you know, they have a much better chance of making it happen. And um, I think it is really important just to find, but it's tricky because, like, we talked about this on my podcast too, just about the industry in general and how I think there's a lot of people who kind of screw people over and like bad investments and mentorship and that sort of stuff. Me personally, I'm not just trying to like promote myself or anything, but like, uh, I mean, obviously, I I am promoting myself, but at the same time, it's like I just wish that more people kind of took the care that I do in this space because i feel like there are so so many people that just want the quick buck and for me it's so much more about reputation than just making money you know with people yeah. and just making like a quick buck and going away because it's really amazing skills i mean there's people who they they have so much knowledge and ideas and gifts that they can share with the world that people would pay for, you know, to learn how yes. to like cook, for example. Like people would do that. I met a girl, <clears throat> this woman was teaching people how to sell socks on the internet and she was making a course <laughs> about it. And I'm that's like, awesome. are you kidding? She was on my podcast. It was like a, an older <laughs> episode. But I was like, that's so cool because people think it has to be like some marketing course or something like that, but it doesn't, you know, it's just value that you're giving to people. And I think that, yeah, just there's there's people who work their asses off, you know, to make like 800 bucks or 500 bucks in a week, and they're just grinding, you know. And it's just like it's sad that they have something that they can share, but if they learned how to turn that into a product and then sell, like they can make that every day. Even if they learn how, to, if they build up the traffic and whatnot, they were they're making a couple hundred bucks every single day. Which in turn results in a lot of money throughout the year of just like not doing extra work from products you made years ago. It's just incredible. And right. I think that more and more people could just get that down. And that's why I just put a lot of care into the different, into my clients, you know, because I just, I know the value of it and have experienced it. And it's like, I wish more people could experience that too.
1: Love it. So if you could give one piece of advice to SaaS founders about building an authentic and generous knowledge based, online business what would that be hmm.
0: I would say don't be afraid to hide don't be afraid to not hide like the good stuff you know a lot of people think <clears throat> with free content oh i got to cut back versus my other you know my paid content and like i said earlier in the beginning of this it's it's about the the flow of the content that matters more cuz free content's like we're going to talk about this then we're going to talk about this and then this and that's where it's kind of all over like buckshot like i said Um, Yeah. Where, yeah, the the paid content is the sniper rifle. It's like very precise. It's here's the transformation to get this specific outcome, if that's what you really want, like project management or something like that. And I would even say on top of this, like make sure that you're adding real value the best you can. Really teaching people going above and beyond your competition up front, because that's a hurdle that people can have. It's going to make me as a customer see you. And compare you to the other person, if your free content is better, I'm gonna consider buying your program more. Absolutely. And on top, on top of that is showing more of your team. And because, like, you know, people people want to buy from people. So if you can show a behind, like if you have a YouTube channel and you're, hey, here's behind the scenes of Trello, that'd be so cool. Cause I used to use Trello. I don't use them yeah. anymore, but I had a, a period where I was using them. And it's like if they make content about not just project management. Here's how you do this, how to do this, but like here's us. And on top of that, we also teach you how to how to do things and project management, how to use the tool. Um, but like a behind the scenes, inside of the office on like a normal day in the life of Trello, like the CEO of Trello or someone inside of it. You know, um, I think that that would be really cool. And I. For personally, if I see that, it makes me more connected with the people behind the software, and that therefore, it makes me want to be more connected. Like Russell Brunson, great example. you know he's just he shares stories, his personal stories and that kind of stuff while he's teaching as well. And yes. it, it's what makes Clickfunnels so attractive to people because he does a lot of that. He's an incredible marketer, and I love learning from him as well. Yeah, but I think that that would be like probably the biggest thing. like lead with as much value as you can up front. Your program is the streamlined step-by-step of that, but you can teach the same stuff. Just kind of, it's not streamlined and step-by-step. And um, yeah, show more of who you are. I think that's really the important piece. And it's become more and more important with more and more people flooding the online space. Yes, without a doubt. Well, James, where can people learn more about you online? Yeah. So I have a YouTube channel, uh, Profit Your Knowledge, or you can always check out my podcast, Profit Your Knowledge, where I interview different experts like Jeff Mains and uh, a lot of cool people who like make businesses out of knitting socks and stuff. So there's a lot of really cool information on there. But if you do want to get more of kind of like the clear cut, like how do I build products and do customer research and copywriting and that sort of stuff, that's definitely my. Uh, YouTube channel. And then, if you really want to just get all in and figure out how to use this system that I've learned and that I still use to this day and help my clients with, I made a uh, a short five step guide that shows you how to earn your first five hundred dollars per month of passive income. Obviously, you can make a lot more. It depends on audience, you know, that sort of stuff. but, um, yeah, that's that's a good place to start. So you can get that at profityourknowledge.com slash guide. Or if you just go to my website, the whole website is built around that. And uh, it'll get you on my email list too, or I'm always sending extra valuable stuff. And uh, I make some offers every now and then. But uh, I leave with a ton of value on there. And there's a lot, of, a lot of cool things you can learn.
1: Outstanding. James, great conversation. Thanks for being on SAS Fuel. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks again, James, for coming on the show and sharing your insights and innovative approach. You can learn more about James at ProfitYourKnowledge.com. And be sure to check him out on social and give his podcast a listen as well. I was interviewed on there a little while back. Profit Your Knowledge. All links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sassfuel.com. Subscribe or follow us there. And of course, check out our YouTube channel as well. Full episodes, shorts, business growth tips, everything you need. And you know what? Everyone who subscribes this week gets a self-driving desk chair. How about that? Roll around the office or home with a precision GPS navigation. Tesla's have nine cameras. This desk chair has 10. Coffee breaks have never been so cutting edge. Well, join us next week where our founder is Adam White, who has created and sold over 20 internet, e-com, and SaaS businesses. Super insightful conversation about how to find a need and fill it quickly in a way where other people see huge value in what you're building. And next week on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, we have John Barrows. If sales in today's market feels like a little bit of a cat and mouse game, John brings up-to-the-minute strategies to finish out 2023 strong and set up for a record sales year in 2024. So I will see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey.
0: Thanks for listening to Sass Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sassfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.comslash sassfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.